Welcome to Sundial on WLRN during our winter membership drive. I'm Elisa Baena, a producer on the show. And today, we're replaying what I think is one of our most memorable episodes of the year. In August, I got to meet the creator of the song that gets everyone dancing at my Cuban family's parties. You'll hear that song in this episode. First, I'll give it back to our host, Carlos Frias. If you turned on the radio in Miami in the 80s and 90s, it probably sounded like this. Tonight, live on the turntables, Lazaro Mendez kicking off his show with a brand new song. This is Tease to Please on Power 96. It was the sound of your block parties, your cousin's quinces, your uncle's barbecue. It was the sound of DJ Laz. You listen to him alone in your car on your morning drive, and you listen to him with your friends at the skating rink on weekends. Lázaro Méndez was the sound of Miami. He made his name scratching records on the air at Power 96 and Hot 105. He mixed Miami bass with Latin music, the music his mom played on records at home. He put the two together and added his own sazón, and he created club anthems like this one. He helped bring stars like Pitbull to the airwaves for the first time, and now he's on Pitbull's Sirius XM channel every Saturday. Today, we finally got him on public radio. Yeah. Bienvenido, DJ Laz. Wow, what an intro. <laughs> First of all, Carlos, I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you very much. Well, it's a pleasure because we get to bring you on and debunk some of the questions that we have. Like, oh, boy. So prepárate. Prepárate. It's going to be an hour to remember. <laughs> First and foremost, is it true that Pitbull is your nephew? Uh, not by blood, but as close as you can get with, without being... Blood. I'm I'm Uncle Laz, and he's the nephew Pitbull. <laughs> so why do people think that? Where did that come from? Is it because you kind of helped? Pick, well, hundred percent. Definitely because um, at the beginning of his career, definitely helped out. And a lot of people they call me Uncle. Mm-hmm. A lot of you know, uh, Flow Rider. Uh, they're basically saying Uncle Luke, Uncle Laz. You know, I what I'm saying that. the people that have been in the game for a long time and helped a lot of people out, but. But Pitt and I developed a, a very special bond. I remember when, when Uncle Luke brought him to me and he called me up. He's like, Laz, I got this little light-skinned, light-eyed Chico, pa-pa-pa-pa-pa. And I said, bring him to the station. And he brought him to the station. It was one of those, man, this kid's got something. Not a, I'm not sure exactly what it is yet, but he's got something. He's got that it factor. And clearly, thank God. There's something about oh, we were right. There's something about really talented people that the second you meet them, hundred percent, they kind of sparkle. Hundred percent. Yeah. It's called that it that it factor. It's that it factor. It's exactly that what just, it is. It just gets into your bones immediately. You walk into a room and you command attention. Yeah. That's when you go, okay, there's something here. And I remember it was record after record after record that he would bring me, and I was like, no, nah, this ain't it. This ain't it. They mm. probably brought me 15, 18 records. That he was working on. Music oh, yeah, music. On. You know, when Luke introduced me, we exchanged numbers, and I said, oh, hey, bring me music, and I'll let you know. And he brought me music and music and music and music, and 
it was good, but it wasn't where it needed to be. And all of a sudden he brought me Oh yeah. And Oye was the beginning when I go, ooh, okay, wait a second. There's something here. There is something here that is special. And he goes, oh, I remember the call. He's like, you think so? And I'm like, no, I don't think so. I know so. And that afternoon I played it on power and every phone line lit up. And that song later ended up on ended up on Fast, Fast and, and the Furious. Furious. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting to me that you, this idea that like he brought you fifteen versions of it, and you were able to say, "Well, he didn't bring me fi- fifteen versions of that song. He brought me fifteen, 15 to eighteen different songs." Right. And the the, the beauty of me is, that I see is that you were really, really a Miami taste a music tastemaker in that sense. Like you were sure. really like kind of sensing like, okay, this is right or this is not quite right mm-hmm. for the year. For Power 96, which folks at the time before XM, before you had a, a million listening uh, opportunities, sure. I mean, it was... You it had was, to listen to the radio. That's right. And if you wanted to hear your song, you had to wait for us to play it. None of this instant gratification that is out now, right. where if you want something, it's in the palm of your hand. Right. It's right there. You go, oh, I want to hear this record. <laughs> And boom, people used to have to wait by the radio with a cassette <laughs> with a little um, tissue paper in it with scotch tape because once you broke those tabs, you couldn't record. That's right. So you had to put that in and then wait. Oh, he's going to play it. Boom. And let it go. Recorded. That's right. And hope the DJ didn't talk over it. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I think that that's interesting because then you played such a pivotal role in making the Miami sound. Right, which is we have all this music floating in the ether, right? Mm-hmm. Like that we're listening. We're listening to rap. We're listening to hip hop, Miami bass. And then it really took someone to kind of grab those things and like the Latin, again, the Latin music that we, and, and infuse them and bring them together. I mean, talk to me about that a little bit, about that, that playing like that, that's that seamstress, that tailor, that tailored the things together. Um, listen, pretty, pretty simple. I, I loved Miami bass music. Mm. Um, what were you listening to? What was oh, your two what was live? Your all that, all that stuff. All the two live crew. All the Uncle Luke. And I'm talking two live crew when they were in California before they came to Miami. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, two live came from California when they had the song Revolution. Mm-hmm. Revolution was recorded in Cali. Then they got together with Luke and they got to Miami. Oh, right, because Luke came on later and uh... yes, two live was around before, but he's the one that boom. You're such a Miami music historian. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> no, I mean, because I, I know have, what I know and I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> but I think you have to be connected, right, to be able to understand those things. Like knowing what, how it changed the Miami sound when like a Two Life crew comes to California and how it changes when you add this very Miami guy with sure. a Miami flavor and passion to the music. What's unique is that you're not just a, you're not just a disc jockey and that you're playing music. You are then adding your own kind of flavor and sound and i'm we had so many songs to pick from but um <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna try to get to some today okay the one, the one that i want to talk about i want you to tell us the story behind this song There's a reason why I named it Block Party. (laughs) 
that song is iconically Miami. Yes. Tell me about the creation of that song. Okay. Well, first of all, funny part, that record made it on my uh, on my album Category Six. No promotion, no nothing behind the record. We just put it on because it felt good. Mm-hmm. So the way that song came about, <clears throat> excuse me, I was playing in the Dominican Republic. It was probably it was a New Year's Eve type gig. I went there a couple of days early with some of my friends, mm-hmm. and we go to. We go to. Uh, I see you nodding into the other room. We go to the beach, <laughs> and because we we were uh, the party was in Casa Campo. Okay, right. The party's always in Casa Campo. Of course. Right? <laughs> so Casa Campo's where the party at. But but Casa Campo can be very snooty, hmm. very money. Okay. And I like I like the party with the people. Mm-hmm. So I said to the guy, I said Alex, how can I get out of here? I want to go to the beach, maybe like Aleta, something like that, and just. Go hang out. Yeah, no problem. I have my driver take you. So cool. We go. I was with a buddy of mine, Will, and another buddy of mine, Ray. So we go. And when we get to the beach, there's probably three, four hundred people on the beach, a lot of them women. And I go, Oh, I need music. I need music. You so start look, looking around for it. I looked at my buddy Will and I go, I hand him a, a wad of cash. <laughs> I go, Go buy me a radio. Wow. And he looked at me, he goes, we're on the beach. <laughs> when the beach I said, the oh, DR. I said, figure it out. You got a water cash. 20 minutes go by. I see him walking down the beach. I don't see a radio. I see eight guys with buckets walking behind him. And I'm looking like. Wait a minute. You, did you come back with magic beans? I'm like, dude, <laughs> are you serious? So it is, you know, the people's radio. So I got to keep it clean. Uh, he goes, listen. This is what you got. Make it happen. There's no beep radios around here. And I go, okay. Make some musica. So the guys sit on the beach and they get their buckets and they start playing. That was DJ Laz speaking with host Carlos Frias in August. Still to come, why DJ Laz is known as the pimp with the limp. If you like interviews like this one, remember, your contributions to public radio help us make your favorite shows like Sundial. Welcome back to Sundial on WLRN during our winter membership drive. I'm Elisa Baena, a producer on the show. Let's get back to our conversation with Lázaro Méndez, who you know as DJ Lass. Sundial host Carlos Frias spoke with him in August. I think a lot of people don't know the story, and I certainly I didn't okay. of of how you became known as the pimp, pimp of the, limp. the limp. Like you, you have uh, you walk with a limp, but yep. there's there's a whole story behind that, and that kind of maybe leads to how you spend a lot of time listening to music. Absolutely. So, for the people that don't know, because I've heard a lot, a lot of different stories about me. By the way, and I'd I'd love them all. I heard, oh yeah, no, no, Laz used to be in a gang. He, he got, got shot, shot seven times. He got shot. I heard I've been stabbed. I heard I got bit by a shark. That was a fun one. That sounds fun. Um, I've heard every story there is. Uh, but the actual truth is I had a birth defect when I was born. Oh. Um, orthogryposis was the official diagnosis. And imagine, you know, I was born here. Mom and dad, Cuba, my siblings, Cuba. I was like, I was the... Let's have sex because we made it to a free country, baby. <laughs> you were the celebration baby. 100%. So I like the way you put it. He puts it so eloquently. Listen, right? we're on public I, radio. We got- I, I say it and it sounds dirty. He comes, you're the celebration baby. 
we got to clean you up, man. We got to clean yes. you up for NPR. <laughs> um, so long story short, you know, mom gives birth and this is 51 years ago. And when I'm born, the bottom of my feet, I need you to picture this for a second. Bottom of my feet are touching my chest. Oh my goodness. Bottom. Wow. Natural birth. Wow. Dad oh hasn't God. forgiven me to this day. Lord. So imagine. <laughs> okay. 93 years old. My old man now. Shout out to Papa Mendez. Probably tuned in. And mom gives birth. They wrap me up real quick and shook. Wow. Take me out of the room. Now, I'm the baby of four. Mom knew the routine. Yeah. When you yeah, have a child. She knew something was off. She knew here. something was up. Yeah. They wrap me up. They take me out of the room. And mom's like, Esperate, what was happening here? And my sister comes back in wearing dark sunglasses. And mommy, ya sabia que algo. So the doctor comes in and tells mom, Mrs. Mendez, I have some bad news for you. Your son was born with a birth defect. Uh, he will never walk. He'll never sit. He'll never stand. He will lie flat in a bed his entire life. Well, I know that's not true because you walked in here. <laughs> oh, 100%. So that's what they told mom. So mom says, Doc, do me a favor. Please don't repeat that to anybody ever again. Don't tell my husband. So she said, I was you know, talking about my dad. My, she said, my husband doesn't have the faith that I have. Wow. Like that. Wow. So mind you, this is an American doctor has no idea, you know, Cuban parents. And he's like, ma'am, you know, whatever you'd like. I'm, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but this is, is what it is. Okay. And, so, that, and that became, but that, uh, that, that became a series of, of surgeries and a lot oh, of faith behind it. Oh no, no, no. I'll, this story will give you chills. Um, so mom is sitting in the hospital room by herself. Everybody was out. Mom says, Jesus appeared in front of her. Oh boy. Have faith in me, your son will walk. Don't believe what the doctors are saying. Shook. Mom said she stood there with every hair in her body up. And that's the day she said, we're going to name him Lazaro. The Saint Made a promise to St. Lazaro, the saint of healing, that if I were to walk, she would dress in a dress made out of burlap, potato sack for one year. Wow. Oh, wait, wait, check it. This gets deep. Don't worry, this will be a book and, and a movie eventually and all this stuff. So she said she's sitting there doing it, and I'm doing exactly what the doctor said I'd be doing. Lying right. flat Funny in the crib. Right. Mm -hmm. She said she looks over, and I sat up. She calls the doc. Doc, Lass is sitting in the crib. Oh, Mrs. Mendez, oh my God, it's a miracle. Ba, 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 ba. Keep me posted. Keep me posted. That's what he says. Okay. Okay. And I don't know the timeline, so do not quote me on the right, timeline right, here. Right, yeah. Fresh, I'm sure this is far after being freshly born. <laughs> yeah. So what happens? Back in the crib. I don't know if it's months later, weeks later. I have no idea. So look, she looks over, and I'm standing in the crib. Calls the doctor back. Doc, Laz is standing in the crib. This is Mendez. Oh, my God. Hang on a second. This is pro this in my in my head. This is what went down. Right. Hang on a second. Hold. Um, hey, Lisa, if this woman calls back, I'm busy because she's out of her mind. She keeps she keeps calling she keeps you calling every few me. years. She calls you. Right. And she calls him and right, right. And, and says something else is happening. Right. So 
the doc's like, okay, yeah, give me poster, whatever. But probably behind the scenes going, this woman is out of her mind and she's delusional. Wow. She calls the doc back. Doc, Laz just walked. He's like, I got to see this. No, he says to her, this is words from my mother to me when mm-hmm. I was older. Says to her, Doc, oh, excuse me, the doc says to her, Mrs. Mendez, I need you to check yourself into a mental institution. Oh my God. It is physically impossible for your son to walk. He has no joints. So she goes, oh, so you think I'm crazy? You said the words I didn't. And she goes, I called you. You're at the hospital. I'm on my way. Don't leave. And he's like, oh, my God, this woman's coming in. 100%. (laughs) Imagine. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Locura. Everything the doctor read about, saw in videos, studied, just got debunked, went out the window. Hmm. Because she pulled up to the hospital, 200 people outside, takes me out of the car, puts me down, and all messed up, but I walked. Right. So that doctor fell to his knees, did not move for 20 minutes. Wow. And then that was the beginning of that. That was like, the beginning of, uh-oh, let's go. And so what did that do then? I mean, because I, I assume then you had, yeah, I think I've read you've had, you had a series of surgeries. 17 of them. 17 surgeries yeah. to get to the point where, where you can walk with, with a little more, more ease. Well, I'm sure with each surgery, you know, more ability came, but... To what age? To what age were you having these already? I'm gonna say 12 was the last one because at 12 they, I'm in the hospital. They got the IV in, ready to perform surgery, and the doctor walks in and hands the papers to my mom and says, "I need you to sign here because the surgery we're doing is very close to a certain nerve, and if we cut that nerve by accident, you can't sue us." And my mom said, "Hang on one second, Lazarito." <laughs> She pulled the IV out. She goes, listen, you guys told me he wouldn't walk once. He walks. I'll take him out of here. No, thank you. You can keep your surgery. You basically, you, and she we cashed out her chips while she was ahead. That's it. She's like, that's it. She didn't, she wanted to win. She wanted to beat, she beat the house already. She beat the house. She wasn't going to try to gamble again because the house always wins. And 12 years old lines up really interesting because that's the time where you become interested in this idea of becoming a DJ, right? A little before then, because my brother was a DJ. And my brother would do private parties and I would go with him and help him out. And I remember the day that I said, this is what I want to do right here. I saw my brother playing music, meeting girls. And at the end of the night, somebody handed him cash. I said, that's for me right there. Ding, 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 ding. What, what was the role of music in your life up to then? Like, did you grow up? What kind of music did you grow up listening to? Mom would listen to everything in the house. Like what? what was old, some Cuban, old Cuban music, you know, Celia Cruz, all the, mm-hmm. all the typical traditional classics right and mom was a singer in cuba oh really so yo yeah my mom was a singer and she was climbing that ladder when castro came in and all hell broke loose after that wow so so you you grew up really uh, with music surrounding you then yes and then i imagine your brother being the youngest of of all these kids they were bringing the music from from the streets and from what they were hearing on the radio and from other friends bringing into your house 100 percent. so i grew up you know the back then the disco era That was host Carlos Frias speaking with DJ Laz. He used to spin records on Power 96. Today you can hear him on Pitbull's Globalization Station on Sirius XM. Still to come, Laz tells us why he can't DJ with his son. But first, we need your support to bring you conversations like this one. (music) 
Welcome back to Sundial on WLRN during our winter membership drive. I'm Elisa Baena, a producer on the show. Let's get back to our conversation with DJ Laz. Sundial host Carlos Frias spoke with him in August. Do you find that that new people are finding your music? Like it's not just it's not just guys like me who grew up with it, but new people are finding your music? I'll tell you what blew me away. I don't really follow like Spotify and all this other stuff, but somebody sent me, hey, do you know how many monthly listeners you have on your Spotify channel? I go, wait, I have a Spotify channel? <laughs> you got good managers, so don't have to think about that. I'm like, wow, okay. And uh, they sent me a list, half a million monthly listeners. And, that, and, and I haven't dropped an album since 2007. Wow. <laughs> that blew you away. What? So yes, the beauty of music, it, it's timeless. Because somebody who grew up listening to me or knowing my music, um, cool. But letting somebody find it that does know nothing about Laz and just liking the music? Are you kidding? Why don't we hear a little bit of that? Entonces, yo quisiera dedicar el próximo espacio de este disco a los americanos. And, and that's <laughs> and that song is everything, right? Everything we're talking about, which is your mom listening to Celia Cruz 100%. while you're home. That is, you know, you scratching in the background. That is bringing in what other what other songs are we hearing laid over the top of that? Dude, because of the success of Mami and Negro mm-hmm. is when I started really. OK, wait, that worked really well. People gravitated to it. They love it. Now, let me find other songs and and give them something that it, at that point it had not been done before. So, you know, grabbing an old school merengue, grabbing a Celia Cruz song, grabbing, uh, you know, something like that and putting it together with Miami booty bass beats, it worked. Right. And it was it was so different that it makes people do this. You ever listen to the radio and all the songs sound the same? You're like, ah, it's the radio. Right. But then something comes on that is so different that either you do one of two things. Turn it down or turn it way up to go, what the hell is this? And thank God I was able to make people turn it up and go, what the hell is this? Right. And that's where all these songs came from. What I mean, after doing this for literally your your whole life, I mean being Pretty much. being 12, 13 years old, you know, interested in, in DJing, like what what makes you excited today about music? Like is there music Yellowfin they- tuna? <laughs> no, my passion is fishing when I'm not when I'm not working. Bird watching—that's the old person thing. Oh, no, 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 <laughs> I can't do that. I do watch birds, but I look for the birds that are finding the fish for me. That's what I do. Um, but at the end of the day, music still excites me. Who's who's making music that makes you crazy? That makes you like, wow, this is okay. Now, 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 see, now you're gonna get me canceled because now I'm gonna say some things that I probably shouldn't say. The new young hip hop, I don't care for. You don't love it. I don't. I don't. I have a I have an 18-year-old son and it's great. What is he what does he love? He loves some of this new stuff, but because he's my kid and he grew up in a house like I did listening to my mom, he can go rock a 50-year-old birthday party. He can do it. Is he he's a DJ also? Oh yeah, yeah. DJ, producer, the whole bit. So what No is- DNA test needed. That kid's got it. That, that kid, that no, kid's 100% DJ Land. No, except well, for the limp. Except for the limp. <laughs> <laughs> he, got, he got all the best parts. What What has that been like to see him? Oh, my God. 
Because when you just said, you said, hey, mom, dad, I'm going to be a DJ, I'm sure they didn't go, hey, that's great. Or did they? Not at all. Right. Not at all. My mother came in one day, rest her soul. <laughs> she came into the house and I was in the back with a, a cast on my legs, playing on the turntables that my dad bought me. Wow. And my mother walks in and I'm chicka, chicka, chicka. And she comes in, I'll never forget this. Lazarito! I will translate. Lazaro, stop with the cheeky, 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 which is scratching, because uh, you're going to break the record. That's exactly what she said. They didn't quite get it. They were, until, until one of the proudest moments of my life when I was able to buy my mom a new car. It wasn't anything, it wasn't a Mercedes, it was an Ultima. It was a brand new Ultima with a red bow on it. And I pull up to her house and I knock on her door and I said, Vea, sapa afuera. And she comes outside and she sees this red bone in her car and she goes, ¿Qué es eso? Oh, ese carro tuyo. That's yours. Pa' mí? That's mine? And I go, yeah. She goes, with the chiqui, chiqui, chiqui? <laughs> and I say, yeah, with the chiqui, chiqui, chiqui. She's like, bueno, sigue con el chiqui, chiqui, chiqui. Keep going. <laughs> so all the neighbors that that knew the 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 Mendez family from the uh, the bur lady with the burlap sack, uh -huh. now their, their son, the famous DJ, just bought her a new car with a big red bow up front. God is great. <laughs> and so how does that how does that translate then when you look at your own son and he sees he's so inspired by what you do and he loves apparently loves it so much. He does. That he's doing it also. Um it's humbling, it's amazing, it's nerve wracking. Hmm. Why nerve wracking? I'll tell you why it's nerve wracking. Um I remember the first party that we DJed together was a homecoming. A homecoming for Archbishop McCarthy. He was a freshman in that school. In Broward County. Okay. In Broward County. All right. And I'm sitting there, and my assistant, Quan can attest to this, and I'm, I'm nitpicking, and I'm, like, trying to micromanage, and I'm, like, I would look over his shoulder, and I'd see the song that he was going to play next, and I'm, like, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Damn, what, what is he doing? Why would he do that? I'm, I'm, oh, my God. And I found myself getting myself my, nervous, and I go, if I'm getting myself nervous, this kid's got to be freaking out. Oh, you, you, you didn't want to freak him out. Well, I did. Oh, the next party, I said, I know how we're going to handle this. I'm going to do my 30 minutes. When I'm done, I'm going to walk out. You're going to do 30 minutes. I'll come back in 30 minutes later. I don't want to hear what you did. I don't want to know what you did. Because it was just... You wanted him to let him give it a chance to be him. It was more, listen, it was more for me than him. I'm not going to lie to you. It was so nerve wracking for me that I said, I cannot micromanage this kid like this because he's not going to want to do this. So, so how do you try to mentor him and, and really in other folks who might come to you and say, you know, I'm interested in being a DJ or people that are close to your life? Um, you got to let people make their own mistakes. Mm. I learned that a long time ago. There's no way I can give you advice. Doesn't mean you're going to listen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I can try to point you in the right direction, but you're going to do things and you're going to fail. It, it's very simple in life. It's not if you fail, because we're all going to fail. It's how you get back up and how you dust yourself off and keep moving. Because that, that's what it's all about. If you think that your life is going to be absolutely perfect and you have no hurdles, no speed bumps, no problems, you're out of your mind. But those speed bumps, those hurdles, those accidents, all those things make you who you are. 
after learning those things and seeing your son and coming coming to a way to see you know to help him develop into his own thing how does that influence what you want to do next i mean i'm sure um, i'm sure you don't look like the guy that's ready to retire no 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 no. i don't want to work as hard as i did for the last 35 years that i will tell you Hmm. i've learned now i've learned now how to appreciate all the hard work that i've put in Hmm. and thank god i've made some good moves in my life where i can do that if i sit back and do nothing i will be bored out of my mind that i can't do so still going out and doing gigs um opening up for pit i got 25 shows in the next eight months with him i don't want to do the entire tour well, I, hopefully folks will get to those pit shows and the ones where DJ Laz is an opener and will have their minds blown. Oh, listen, I enjoy what I do. And I've always told people, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. But the day you no longer have fun at what you do, you have to find something else. That was host Carlos Frias speaking with Miami legend DJ Laz. He used to spin records on Power 96 and today you can hear him on Pitbull's Globalization Station on Sirius XM. And that's Sundial for Monday, December 4th. Leslie Ovalle Atkinson is our lead producer. Sergio Bustos is WLRN's VP of News. Katie Munoz is our director of live programming. Peter J. Meritz is WLRN's VP of radio and Sundial's engineer. Engineering our boards is Richard Ives. Our theme music is by the Miami Afro-Cuban funk band Palo at gopalo.com. You can download a podcast of this program. Search WLRN Sundial on your podcast app. Coming up tomorrow, her children's book was named one of the best by the New York Times in 2021. Her latest children's book, The Walk, shows kids how voting can bring your friends, family, and neighbors together. Author Winsome Bingham joins us. I'm Elisa Baena. Keep those good vibes. Thank you.